0: Welcome to So Much More. I'm Jody Nisnick. This is a podcast designed to help you create space for God. Jesus, in some of his last words found in John 16, 12, stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Brent McKinney with me. Brent has been both a pastor and a seminary professor over the years, and he is currently the spiritual growth pastor at Foundations Church in Loveland, Colorado. Welcome, Brent.
1: Hi, Jody.
0: So glad you're here.
1: It is really fun to be with you today.
0: Well, I gave a very generic introduction of you, but why don't you take a minute to tell us a little bit about who you are?
1: Yikes. Um, well, I okay. am a husband of 33 years to Tracy. I am a father of two daughters, Kelsey age 30 and Shelby age 28. Um, I'm a pastor here in Colorado and, uh, I've been following Jesus, uh, seriously for about 40 years. So that's a little bit about me.
0: Well, those are all good things about you. Um, thanks for sharing some of those things. So I'm going to give us just a quick reminder about the passage that we're in. I discussed the context in the last podcast where we did the scripture experience. So I don't want to go too deep into that context because I'm sure Brent and I'll also talk about it a little bit as we get into the passage. But for now, I just want to remind you of the verses. So I'm going to read it for us. So this is Genesis 40 verses 14 through 23, and it has been edited slightly. So you can see the full uh, verses in the show notes. And you can also, of course, read that in your Bible as well. So this is the reading. After Joseph had interpreted the dream of the cupbearer, he made the following request. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. And he told him his dream. This is what it means, Joseph said, and he interpreted it for him. Now, the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that once again, he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Okay, so we did this passage as a Lectio, where we asked the Lord to draw our attention to a particular word or phrase. So Brent, as you started doing this process, where did the Lord draw your attention?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I didn't become a practitioner of... Lectio until I got involved in my doctoral work in our cohort. And it became something that I had to open my mind up to a little bit. I had heard a lot of negative things about it, and I'm not sure where they came from. And so once I started practicing it, uh, it's like anything else. You, I think you become more attuned to it and you get for like of better words, better at it over the course of time as you practice. And so uh, when you sent this uh, to me, it was really interesting to go through the process. And what really jumped out at me was probably a surprise. Uh, I felt like I needed to focus on the baker. And what really came out was in verse 21, the word, restored Mm. was something that really stayed with me.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. I want to back up because I love, before we go further, I love that you brought up that people had said some negative things to you about Lectio and you weren't really sure why. So can we talk about that for just a minute? Because I think that's something um, that people do here sometimes is, oh, you shouldn't do that practice. Do you remember what people said to you that was negative about it?
1: That There seemed to be this mystical connotation to it that you couldn't necessarily pin down and had no real way of knowing whether or not it was God or your own thoughts or some sort of, of maybe even demonic. Although that was a minor, minor part of it. I think just one person kind of leaned into that a little bit, but uh, for me, it was just this idea that it was a mystical connection with no real um, grounding mm-hmm. tr- and you couldn't trust it. That seemed to be the crux of the argument.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'm grateful that you're bringing that up because I do think that's one of the things that's really important to me about this process of Lectio is understanding the context of what God's word is and putting up some guardrails to help us make sure we don't wander into a place where we're making God's word, either a, say what, whatever we want it to say, or B we're making his, our voice into his voice, Um, which I think are the two dangers that people are kind of highlighting is that, Oh, you're going to rip scripture out of context or you're going to believe that God's telling you to do something. And you're actually, that's just your own internal voice speaking, not his Um, and so I love that you brought that up. I think some, you know, some of the guardrails, a, our context, understanding the context of the passage and then B, doing something like this in community, even how we're having these conversations. But like, if you, if you ever feel like God says something to you, that feels a little different than normal. Uh, like he's asking you, inviting you to do something. That's where I think community comes in, where we ask, we invite others in to help us discern that process. So um, but you've moved through that and you've started experiencing Lectio and you've found that to be meaningful in your life or tell me a, a little bit about that process.
1: Yeah, I think it. the key to me, you said the word discernment and that to, to me is the key because at at its core, really all you're doing is praying to God for guidance and getting in his word and trying to listen to him. And I do think when you frame it in those terms, which might actually make it a little more comfortable for people with evangelical backgrounds, uh, just to say, hey, really, this is just praying that God would reveal something to you in scripture. Mm-hmm. I think if you put it that way, you wouldn't get much pushback. Yeah. And I think it's more the history of it than it is the actual practice of it. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I think in a lot of ways, people are maybe connecting it to religious traditions they're not comfortable with at them. Mm. And so yeah. because of that, they kind of baby and bathwater the whole thing. When I think you're right, the key is how are you discerning what you're getting?
0: Mm-hmm. And that
1: could be uh with other people, or that could just be double checking the math and other portions of scripture.
0: So- That's right. That's also a great, a great tool. Okay. So thanks for that little rabbit trail. I thought that was important as we kind of continue this Lectio journey. Through the podcast. So you got pulled to the word restored. So tell me a little bit more about that. As you reflected on that, what was, what do you feel like the Lord was showing you, drawing you into with that? Yeah, I
1: think part of the reason that word jumped out at me is part of the process of the bigger picture of what God is doing in my life right now. And it's been a pretty, long journey but to make it short for you i left a good church with people that i liked to pursue what god was where i felt god was leading me which in my own mind was leaving the pastorate to become a voice in academia if that makes sense to to be able to use my experience to train others who were getting uh, a seminary education, and in that process, I wound up working in a high school. I was teaching AP literature uh, to seniors, and in that process, I think I got to a point where I realized that I'm supposed to be a pastor, and having not been a pastor. I wrestled with all of those things that are tied into your identity, that are tied into who you thought you were, that are tied into what gave you value. And then all of those were gone. And then you become, you start to find those things in other areas. I began to find them in teaching. I began my relationships with the high school students, all these other things. And then when the academic path, that door at least on a full-time scale was closed the reality for me was when i became a pastor again and being restored to that role it kind of brought to mind what this particular cupbearer must have gone through at least in the days he was in jail because it was what did i do wrong what did and i wonder if he wasn't more appreciative and more careful when he was restored to that role to do it again yeah And so I think that's what drew me to this was now that I'm a pastor again, I think I appreciate it a lot more. I think I'm a lot more attentive to my own spiritual walk rather than when I was younger, trying to accomplish and achieve and do, and, and I guess, make the church work. Right.
0: Yeah. I, so I really love how the Lord, kind of led you into really considering what was that like for the cupbearer. Um, of course, he doesn't serve a good king like we do, right? Like you're you're being restored into a place where you are always serving a good king. The Pharaoh's irrational and erratic and he does some good things and he does some crazy things, like throw these two guys into prison. Um so we know that he is not godlike. Um, and so the King that you serve, the God that you serve, um, wasn't being punitive to you. There was something punitive happening to the cupbearer, but, um, but I love that you were able to pause and think through, okay, so having that space away from the role that I love, um, from doing something that was serving in such a significant way and now being back into it, um. I'm going to do things differently. So as you kept unpacking that, where where else did you go with that? Yeah, I
1: think I started, I I really started thinking through, and this started before I actually, in that time where you you say yes to the job, but before you start the job, it was, what am I going to do differently this time? Looking back on being a pastor for 26 years, You learned a few things. So how's it going to be different going in? And they brought me in here to be the the spiritual growth pastor. And I thought it would have been hypocritical to come in with a lot of programs and a lot of ideas and flash and, and, hey, here's the new thing. I resigned myself to saying, you know what? This is more important to be than to do. Because so often in our churches we create our own busy, and we do that as people too. We don't set good boundaries, and we wind up doing a lot of good things. I mean, nobody's really saying like, "Well, I spent some time yesterday at the seance." I mean, nobody's really saying that. Everything that they
0: <laughs> we <hope> are
1: not, <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? But what they're saying yes to are all good things, right? And for the most part. And so what winds up happening is you create your own busy. And so um, this had gone into my own personal practice when I was in the spiritual formation cohort during my doctoral work, this idea of slowing down and trying to live a life of rhythm. And so it was really funny because I I asked somebody one time, they said, uh, you're hard to describe. And I said, well, how would you do that? And they said, you're an urban missional neo monastic. And I thought, A, well done on the terms, but B, that's kind of what I wanted to be. Mm. I wanted to be perceived as somebody who was going slow and walking with God and staying in rhythm. And so when I came here, busy was the currency of the staff. You would, you would, know, I would ask, how are you doing? And they would say, oh, I'm busy, like everybody. And so... People would knock on my door and they would go, Hey, I'm I'm sure you're busy. And my first words were, I would close my computer. I would turn my phone over and say, I'm never busy. Have a seat. And so I I did, I thought it would be hypocritical to come in. And so when I think through this idea of being restored, that's what God has done in me, Mm. that it's really more about restoring me to that, rhythm where he really is the most important. And I happen to have a job he's gifted me to do in serving in this way. And that has really been at the same time, so freeing and so mystifying to other people.
0: Yeah. So tell me, how are you practically maintaining that margin of slow or that rhythm of slow in your life? Like, What are some... Very practical ways that you like closing your computer and turning your phone over when somebody walks into your office. Because it's not like you're not doing anything. What you're saying to them is, I have time for you. And you are my priority right now. And so, what are some other things that you've found to be effective in helping you kind of keep that rhythm?
1: One of the things is not going to sound really spiritual. But I think it's important in that diet, sleep, and exercise. Those are things I think
0: that is spiritual though.
1: Well, maybe I mean so. you're taking
0: care of your God has given you one body to live in. I think that I actually think, I mean, now we can take it to extremes, right? But I think tending to that in a healthy way is spiritual. So
1: well, in, in that sense, that all the life is spiritual. Yes, I have it. Um the reality <laughs> The, the reality is same bedtime every night, same wake up time, um, make sure that you're eating well and make sure that you are committed to exercise. And so those are the the things that have actually freed me up to like, when I wake up, I'm actually awake. I'm not dragging myself out of bed. Mm. And, uh, I stole a phrase from, uh, Bonhoeffer where he said, uh, God gets the first word. So when I wake up, I kind of clear the cobwebs and I sit up and I just spend five minutes in silence saying, God, I'm available. If you have anything you want to say, I'm all ears. And I have a little uh, uh, index card by my nightstand with a pen. And if something comes up, sometimes it's nothing. Um, And then I pray a uh, modified uh, Lord's Prayer before my feet hit the ground. I actually stole that from uh, Barry Jones's book dwell. He's got a chapter in there on the Lord's prayer. And I've used that to sort of frame before my feet hit the floor. God's already had the first word and I have gotten what I would say kingdom centered for my day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and so those are two. And then I've sort of ripped off the daily office. I've, I've uh, stolen some Celtic prayers because uh, I'm not a very good prayer on my own. Uh, I need, I need, sometimes I have trouble with the verbiage. (laughs) So so I found that reading prayers of older saints, um, has been helpful to give me language in my own prayer life. And, Mm. uh, then, uh, one thing that I really can't stress enough is, uh, the end of the day, the examine, um, that's a a Catholic term. If you want to just say, have a quiet time at night, you can do that and be evangelical. Um, but I, I think the, um, the reality of it is to review my day before I go to sleep. And what I've found is there's enough time for all of those things. And I still have time for blessed interruptions during my day that people can come in and I still have time for people being the most important thing. I think really all I've lost is uh, watching sports or binging on Netflix That's really all I've lost. So, um, I mean, how many episodes of friends does it take before your life's complete? Right. So, (laughs) um, I, I think that's really how I've sort of boundaried my life to have freedom within it.
0: Yeah. I, I think all of those are really amazing suggestions um, I'm a big fan of the examine. I'm also a big fan of calling it an examine. <laughs> I think there's something too. That's why I'm a big fan of calling this Lectio Divina. They're, like These are um, steeped in some rich traditions um, that people thousands of years before us, hundreds certainly, um, have been doing and creating these rhythms. And I think God was near to them when they were doing these things. And so I love that you, you kept saying you were stealing things from people, but I think you're borrowing them. I think that's a better,
1: <laughs> well, again, it's, right? it's... <laughs> right. What,
0: well, the right?
1: Right. Well, the difference between scholarship and plagiarism is a footnote. <laughs>
0: oh, <Oof. laughs> that's good. You have a lot of good little phrases like that. I also wonder, did you steal the phrase blessed interruptions or is that, is that a Brent McKinney term? No, that was mine. I love that. I think we all need to, when we flip this podcast off, uh, we need to look for the blessed interruptions in our day, those spaces when we can say, Oh, look, one of God's people wants me. How blessed am I? To be interrupted by this human that God has created in His image, Um, so I think we should steal that from you, if that's okay. Footnote it, (laughs) (laughs) well, or plagiarize it. I'm going to give you a footnote, so then it's not plagiarism. Right. Uh, Okay. Well, uh, anything else that surprised you about this particular experience?
1: Yeah, I think the the clarity with which that word um showed up that was a surprise to me because normally it feels like guesswork to me like yeah I think that's the one and and this seemed very I seemed really certain about this and I feel like in the last uh day I've, I listened to two other sermons I'm a sermon geek and when I walk to work it takes me about two miles which is the perfect time for a sermon and. um So uh, one of the sermons I listened to this morning was about how God's restoring the new kingdom and the new earth, and that that's part of the plan, that that's restoring all of mankind. And so it was really neat when I was listening to this sermon to hear that word again, just Mm -hmm. that little reminder. I think that was God just saying, yeah, we're still on that word. So yeah.
0: That's one of the things that I really enjoy about doing Lectio and having God help me notice something in his word like that, that then I feel like I start to see sacred echoes everywhere I go. Um, And that he, because he's taught me something, the spirit has brought something to light for me. It is a much deeper truth than if I'm reading even really brilliant people but i'm reading their thoughts versus i feel like i've had a conversation with god about something that he wants me to know that to me is is one of my favorite things about doing this is the word of god really coming to life and it sounds like that's what's happened for you as well
1: yeah and i think i think it's not only cuz the word here was in the past tense you know this restored but i also think it's, I'm in the process of being restored. Mm -hmm. And so it's an ongoing restoration um, that I really feel like I've, I've only been in this role for six months, which coming to a pastoral role after teaching in particular teaching in a COVID year, the warp speed of that made it really hard to maintain a rhythm where I felt like I was personally being restored. It felt like I was going hundred miles an hour and then trying to grab rest somewhere to restore where now it feels like the restoration is part of a longer ongoing process mm. in my own life right now, which is encouraging because I, I, I see it so clearly in, I guess my own relationships in particular that Normally I'm a curmudgeon and I don't like being around people and I don't, I don't enjoy people generally. Um, but now I'm finding that I really do. And that's kind of a new way of framing my relationships.
0: I think it's funny that you are a pastor and you have been a pastor for many years and you just admitted that you don't like to be around people.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's
0: not your natural inclination.
1: Any, anything that is done in a relational aspect that's positive, God has had to teach me how to enjoy people because left to my own devices, I'd rather be alone. That's where I get my energy. That's where I get recharged. And so people tend to uh, take a lot out of me. They seem to, it, it just is hard for me. And so this is a way that now I'm finding I'm actually enjoying the people and get to hear their stories. And these people in our congregation are really nice people. And to be able to um, hear their stories is a, is a really unique privilege that I don't know that I paid that much attention to. Uh, I kind of nodded to it like, Oh yeah, their stories, they gave me their story and that was really nice. but now I think it's a genuine deep appreciation. Mm. This person shared with me the work of God in their life. And that's really amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing all of that with us, Brent. I really am really love that the Lord drew you to that word restored. I, I kind of expected that people would, you know, move into where Joseph was with being forgotten and some things like that. And it always is just surprising to me because where I think people might go, God's got other things if we're open for him now, they're sure there's a lot of people that needed to um, dwell on that word of being forgotten or even some of his, the other experiences that are happening in that passage. But um, I'm grateful that he drew you somewhere unexpected. So that's really good. Yeah.
1: I'm just glad I didn't get hanged. <laughs> well,
0: I know, you know, and I edited out the content of both of the dreams because they distracted a little bit. Um, I had in the original reading, I had the cupbearers dream um, and then the baker and the baker actually gets impaled on a pole. It's very gruesome, actually, what happens to him. And it's funny when you first started out, Brent, you said, I, I, I thought I heard you say that you identified with the baker. And I thought, oh no, where is this going to go? <laughs> Cause you know, the baker doesn't turn out very well, but you were identifying with the cupbearer. So that was good being restored, not being, having your head taken off and being impaled on a pole. So that's, that's positive. I'm very happy about that. <laughs> uh, okay. So I've got a couple of quick questions just to help us get to know you a little bit more. You have lived in Colorado now for how long?
1: Uh, we moved in uh, February, mid-February.
0: Okay. What is your favorite thing now about being in Colorado?
1: Well, where we live is, it is a, an area where people accept you for whoever you are, Whatever you are, however you want to be is fine by them. If you have long hair and tattoos, great. If you have short hair and no tattoos, great. Just be who you are. And that laid back approach really fits my lifestyle. Nobody here seems to be in much of a hurry. Mm. Whereas in Dallas, everybody seemed like they were in a hurry. And here, everybody's just kind of moseying along doing the thing. And so... I really like the the, sort of the vibe of Northern Colorado.
0: Okay, so I've got another question for you. What is a book besides the Bible that you think we all should read?
1: Uh, It's a book by Tom Wright, and most people know him by his academic writing, N.T. Wright. Uh, But he wrote a book for ordinary people. Uh, It's called The Original Jesus, The Life and Vision of a Revolutionary. And he has a fantastic interpretation of the Sermon on the Mount, probably one of the better ones I've heard. Um, but all throughout, he shows how Jesus in his life and in his times was truly a revolutionary figure. And uh, it obviously appeals to me just based on my childhood and punk rock and how I admired anti-authority figures and all that kind of stuff. But this particular book, I think paints an authentic picture of Jesus that the average person can relate to. And also it's got many pictures. Really good.
0: Thank you for giving us that recommendation. I will, it is on my list now. All right. Well, Brent, where can people find you if they want to, come to your church or they're in Loveland. How do we, how do we find you?
1: Okay. Real simple. Uh, Foundationschurch.org. That's where we are. Uh, And we, if you want to watch sermons, uh, they're obviously online like everybody else. But if you want to find me personally, uh, I'm on Facebook um, and on Instagram and on Twitter and all of them are Brent McKinney. One word. So if you want to reach me, that's how you can find me on all the socials.
0: Well, thank you, Brent, for joining me and us on so much more really was just a treat to have you here. Um, I want to invite you to join me next week where we are going to explore the next passage of Joseph's story where he is actually released from prison. He is no longer forgotten. So you'll definitely want to tune into that. Enjoy the scripture experience and the interview for that as well. As a reminder, this series does line up with the Bible study trust, which is a study of Joseph for persevering through life's challenges. This particular, uh, Lectio we did lines up with lesson three. And as always, you can do these all by themselves because that's God's word and it stands alone as well. Uh, well, thanks for joining me on so much more where Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen.